This is a show about content marketing for established, sophisticated online businesses. Unlike other shows about marketing, we focus on sustainable, measurable content creation, how to authentically automate your marketing to build up your know, like, and trust factor with a nurtured, engaged audience between launches, and get back to actually living your life instead of working to live. Hey, hey, friends. We're going to talk about breaking points and anger and losing loyalty and all that kind of fun stuff. We're going to do it in story form. And it's kind of a ripped from the headlines kind of episode. I don't know if you remember that Law & Order reference. You'd be watching TV some random Tuesday night and they'd be like, Thursday on Law & Order, a story that's ripped from the headlines. So we're doing that. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about a personal story about me breaking 20 years of loyalty with a big company. And the reason we're going to do all of this is because you need to know what your lane is. No, I'm not talking about putting you in a box. You need to lean into your core value work and you need to use content to set boundaries and create a filter. That is why we're covering these stories. And that is why we're going to be talking about anger that supersedes loyalty and how that can affect you in your business, how that's going to shape your marketing, and why this is something that's so important for you to hear if you're going to be marketing online in today's day and age. All right, so there is a breaking point. It's why people unfollow you even if they've previously loved what you do. And you need to know what this breaking point is so you can start setting some intentional boundaries. Boundaries both with your audience and clients and boundaries with yourself. Doing this helps you create a better and more enjoyable business overall. Not doing this usually is going to result in you running to your mastermind talking about some problems with clients. It's probably going to result in you having really high and low engagement periods on social media, and it's all avoidable. So let's start with the idea of anger that supersedes loyalty. I like to call this mad now. And this term mad now comes from when I was a child. My parents had a friend, his name was Phil, and he was kind of known for being like, "Mm, nope, mad now. And I always thought it was kind of quirky and kind of funny, but as an adult, I definitely understand this. The idea is you're moving along in life and something happens and it's kind of annoying, but then it just keeps going on and going on to you're at the point where you're like, no, I'm mad now and I'm not going to come down from this madness. This is anger. I need to go sit by myself or I need to do some deep breathing or, you know, any other therapeutic techniques, of course, right? But the idea is you've reached the breaking point. And this mad now moment is both something that you want to intentionally create with your content and on the flip side, something you want to avoid in certain circumstances. So to talk about that, we're going to dive into two stories. One is about Bud Light and Kid Rock. And then the other is about Adobe Systems, you know, the Photoshop creator and whatnot. So the Bud Light and Kid Rock story has been all over the headlines for over a month at this point, and I'm going to maintain, I'm going to try and get through this story without being political in any way, shape, or form. But it's going to dive a little bit into some politics, and I'll try and keep it as little colorful as we can here, you know? But all that to say, Bud Light put a spokesperson out there that a lot of people had a problem with. In fact, some of their, shall we say, tried and true customer base had a big problem with it. In fact, some of them had such a big problem with it, their users took to social media and did little videos, TikToks and whatnot, of them emptying their fridge of all Bud Light. 
Now, I have a side note here. Bud Light's owned by Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch owns a lot of different beer brands. And even those that they don't own, they have a controlling stake in a ton. Other really popular ones like Michelob or Stella Artois, all the way down to craft brews like Ten Barrel Brewing, for example. All of these are owned or at least have an interest with Anheuser-Busch. So it was really funny watching these refrigerator emptying videos because people were emptying their fridge of Bud Light, but you could still see all these Anheuser-Busch brands. And you're like, wow, you're really going to hurt that company if you just start drinking more of one of their other beers. So anyway, that's my little side note. It's my little aside. But one of the really big name people that did this was Kid Rock. He went out and bought a ton of cases or had one of his minions buy a ton of cases of Bud Light and then lit it up with a machine gun or AK-47 or something like that. Second side note, if you actually watch the video, it's hilarious because he's not even the one shooting at all. There's someone off from the side that's doing the real shooting. I digress, but this whole thing really kind of reminded me mad now. Now, I don't know if Kid Rock was actually an avid Bud Light drinker before all this happened, but he sure cared enough to make this big public statement about it, right? And this is the kind of thing that we need to know when we are creating content as part of our marketing plan. We have to know there are people who are going to be so obsessively upset with us over things we say, and we have to be okay with that. Because if you don't stand for something, you stand for nothing. And I think Anheuser-Busch's marketing team really did a solid on this one, until they didn't, but we'll get there. They put a statement out by choosing their spokesperson. And if they had stuck with it, I really think they would be doing amazing things right now. Unfortunately, they decided to backtrack. They decided to put out this funky commercial that was like super nostalgic sort of, but it was really not. Anyway, they backed off. They've apparently placed some of their marketing team on unpaid leave, which is ridiculous because there's no way that team didn't get approval from the higher ups for this. But all of that aside, they made a statement and some people didn't like it and some people did like it. That's what your marketing is supposed to do. So what I mean by that is you need to know your lane. And again, I want to reiterate, this is not me saying you need to go put yourself in a box and stay there. No, you probably are an entrepreneur because you don't want to be put in a box, right? That's not what I'm saying at all. But there are things you need to choose and then stick to them, or you are going to create a Bud Light-like situation, only, you know, do the wrong thing, as Anheuser-Busch did, and try and backtrack and be like, well, we, 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 we didn't really mean that. I mean, we totally did initially, but now that we find out people don't like it, maybe we didn't mean it, right? Like, that's not the kind of energy, and that is not the kind of work we want to be putting out there. Your work, whatever it is that you do, is something that you have shaped and molded over time. You know what you're good at, and you know what you stand for. You may want to lean into your core value work for this. If you don't know what your core values are, go on my website, type into the search bar core values and an exercise to help you figure out what they are will pop up. But either way, you need to know what your core values are. There are things in my world that I will not sacrifice on them. Beauty, like aesthetic beauty is one of my values. And that doesn't mean I'm superficial. It means that Given the choice, I'm always going to choose the thing that's prettier over the thing that's not prettier if they're equal in every other way. This is, is very similar to the whole idea of the no like and trust factor in the first place, right? Bob Berg's quote is, people are more willing to do business with and refer work to those they know, like, and trust if all things else out of that are equal. 
So all things being equal, are you going to refer a realty job to your friend, the realtor, or some other realtor that you don't know? All things being equal, you refer it to your friend. And that's how core values work as well. All things being equal, I will choose the prettier thing because I have an aesthetic beauty core value. I also believe in mastery. I am not going to put out shoddy work if I know that I could reasonably do it better. Now, that's not perfectionism. That's not me refusing to put work out at all, right? But knowing those things about me means that I always know about my lane, right? I know that if a client asks me to do something that doesn't look good and easily could look better, it's going to hit both the mastery and the beauty core value. And I'm not going to feel good about doing that. And ultimately, that relationship with that client will suffer as a result. So that's thing number one and thing number two. One, you need to know your lane. Two, lean into your core value work. And then thing number three, how do we do this? How do we stay in our lane and let our audience know what our lane is? We use our content to set boundaries and create the filter. How can we do that? I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But let me dive into the second story I want to cover today. And that is me ditching Adobe. Yes, I am a lifelong Photoshop user. I think I started on version two or three. I don't remember exactly, but I started using it when I was a teenager. And as a professional person, paid for Adobe ever since then. I think I bought my first legitimate copy that wasn't like the education discount one when I was 20 years old. And as long as I was able to buy copies, I did. When they moved to the subscription model, I moved with it. In fact, when I scaled my business down, when I decided to get pregnant and have my second child, and I wanted to cut my expenses in every way, shape, or possible, so I felt zero guilt about turning work away during that time period, I still paid for my Adobe subscription during that time. It was one of the things I paid for regularly because I used it even when I wasn't working. That is how much loyalty I had for Adobe. Well, you might be wondering, how did I break that loyalty? It's all in how they treated me. I started having a few problems, a couple small things here and there. I would message into customer service. It was an abysmal experience. And then the most recent one that took about a month to get through was so ludicrous. I cannot even properly express to you how many things went wrong. In one of them, one of their tech support people was trying to convince me I needed to leave my house and go to a different Wi-Fi network because surely that was the problem when the problem had nothing to do with the internet in any way, shape, or form. And yes, his higher-ups did end up confirming that was the case, but he was following some script and refused to deviate and tried to tell me that I didn't understand how Wi-Fi worked. And I was like, yeah, you know, the thing is, I don't think you actually understand what I'm asking if that's what you're saying. And it was, it was ridiculous. The second big thing I can tell you that happened was they promised to have an engineer call me at two different times and then they never called to actually like walk through the problem and try and recreate it so they can help me fix it. Nope, I got no-showed on both of those calls. So I got mad. There have been viable alternatives for almost all of Adobe's products, actually for every single one of their products, but from like single companies. You know, I use Affinity now for my Photoshop alternative. They've also got an Illustrator and an InDesign alternative. I've been hearing about these programs for months and some of them for years, and I never even considered them because I was like, you know what? I know how Adobe works. I've used Adobe forever. There's no reason for me to change. I'm not just saving money now that I've switched, by the way. I'm saving aggravation, and this is the mad now breaking point. I was willing to pay more for Adobe to avoid pain. Now, switching, avoid the pain of learning a new system, all of that pain. 
I was willing to pay more money for that. Where I was no longer willing to pay more money for a product that I was loyal to was when one, they treated me poorly and I had a bad customer experience. And two, when the pain of using the product that did not work became greater than the pain of switching. That is the breaking point. And that is what we want to use our content to create. For the people who are not going to be a good fit working with you, maybe it's a personality flaw, maybe it's someone who's pushing you to ship out work that isn't aesthetically beautiful as you want it to be. That's one of mine, obviously. We've already covered that. The consultant-client relationship would probably suffer if I had to work through that on a regular basis. Whatever your boundaries are, you know what the best possible working experience is with you. It's why as I create content plans for my clients, I always ask them, how does a working experience usually work for you? And then I ask them, what would make that working experience even better if you had the best possible client ever? And then I ask them, what would make it just bad enough that you'd rather not work with them and go with less money? Those three answers shape a ton of content for the clients that I work with. And the reason is we are using our content to create a filter so that the people who are not the best fit to work with us, that we would not enjoy as much, that wouldn't be as profitable or productive because our angst and aggravation over it would end up winning out. We want to put up gentle roadblocks for those people and say, hey, maybe don't proceed. Maybe you can find a better person elsewhere. And then the people who do make it through that filter are a joy to work with. And they're such a joy to work with. They not only refer you to everyone they know, you feel like you're not working as much or as hard with them because it is easier work. That's why we want to create that filter. So how do we do it? Well, there's two easy ways. And I shouldn't say easy. There are two known effective methods. We'll we'll go with that, right? One of them is kind of a lightweight thing. And then one of them is more of a heavyweight thing. And the lightweight thing is Easter eggs. They are what we would call cultural moments, if you want to call that. So this might be something along the lines of using, you know, memes from your favorite TV shows to illustrate certain points in your email newsletter. This might be casually mentioning that you are working from sensory playtime today. I do that in my messaging quite a bit. People understand I'm a working mother. I don't hide it. I make sure anyone who hires me understands that that is part of my world. Not as an excuse to create subpar work, no, but I am always going to prioritize certain family time. My clients know I don't work on Fridays for that reason, for example. So these are little Easter eggs. These are little nuggets that you kind of sporadically place in your content to let people know this is me, this is who I am, this is what I stand for. I use a lot of chicken analogies. Why? Well, I raise chickens and frankly, I truly believe there are no life lessons that cannot be learned from a flock of chickens. And I will stand by that. I could probably justify that if you threw some really weird things at me. I could I could come through. And you might not have chickens. You might have zero interest in having chickens. But when I tell a chicken story and then relate it to a content or marketing lesson, my clients love that. The response is always good. So sometimes I'll just like throw up just a picture of my egg collection of the day on Instagram stories, even though it has nothing to do with marketing. I just do it because my people tend to like it. And it's a fun way to kind of show my life a little bit. That's a lightweight. 
That's a lightweight way to use your content to start creating that filter. The heavier weight way is by sharing your authority opinions. And for this, you're going to have to know where you want to plant your flag, where you want to take your stand, right? If you want to know how to actually go through the process of creating authority opinions, I have an episode for that. I'll link it in the show notes. I don't remember the number. I think it's 135. But we have that as an option. We have the ability to say, this is true. Fight me on it. For example, I always tell people, content you don't measure is just busy work. Some people take offense at that. And you know, if they aren't willing to listen to my explanation and they're willing to be offended about the statement in the first place, they're probably not my people. That is a filter. That is me saying, hey, if you aren't willing to listen to why this is true, at least think about it again, at least consider another perspective. You can gently exit and find someone who will be a better fit to help you in this problem. I say that because I know slapping content out on the wall, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall, slapping content out into the world without measuring it means you have no way to check whether it is working. If you have no way to check whether it is working, it's just you filling your time, acting like you're being productive, acting like you're doing a marketing activity without any proof it's actually marketing your business in a way that's going to gain leads and then ultimately revenue and profit. Therefore, content you don't measure is just busy work. That authority opinion, that flag I have planted on that hill, that right there will net me clients and it will lose me many, many more. And you have to be okay with that idea. You have to be okay with the idea that you cannot help everyone out there and that you don't want to help everyone out there. You know, if you don't stand for something, you fall for everything, right? So if you are going to pull a Anheuser-Busch and say, we're going to make a stand with this marketing thing and then pull back and be like, oh, we didn't think people were going to be so up in arms about it, even though it was intentionally controversial, you're going to fall for everything. They could have gained market share from people who never considered them before. Instead, they lost part of their loyal base and they lost the base that they were trying to build. When you have an authority opinion, make sure it's not only something that you're absolutely able to back up, make sure it's something you truly believe in. Don't back down on something you truly believe in. Use your content to put it out there in the world. There are way more people who agree with you and want to see you use that to succeed even further than there are people that you cannot help. You just have to be seen by them. You have to get noticed by them. And to do that, you have to say those authority opinions loudly and boldly, sometimes controversially. Now, an authority opinion does not have to be controversial. I want to make that caveat. But it does have to be a bold statement that you can back up and that you will stand by. This creates the filter and this allows you to set up that boundary saying, hey, audience, if you don't want to cross this line with me, we're not a good fit. You can keep moving. You can keep looking. Flip that, scroll that, swipe left, whatever. And for the people who do agree with this, you are my people. Come on in, follow me, get to know me, engage more, and we could start something beautiful together. That boundary is good for you and it is good for them because you will work with better people and create better work and feel better about your work. And the people out there who can't be on board with that, they can still get the help they need elsewhere rather than trying to hire you, not loving the experience, and both of you 
walking away with poor tastes in your mouth. Mad now. Mad now is a good thing. It lets you know when something is take a standable. It lets you know when you are at that point where you're like, no, 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 no. This is a breaking point for me. I don't want to work on the other side of this. And hey, audience over there, you don't want to work on the other side of that either. That's a good thing. Start making mad now moments in your content and your business and you will both be happier. If you found value from this episode, there are two things you can do to thank me. The first is share it with a friend. If you enjoyed this episode, you learned something from it, odds are you know somebody who needs to hear this message. I do truly believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. And if you help that friend with something that they need to do, we're going to have less crappy marketers out there, which means less scams, and we get to help more people in those ways that we uniquely are meant to help them. The second thing you can do is leave a rating on whichever podcast app you are listening to the show on right now. Doing that helps me reach more people, getting, again, this same great information out there, and we all make a better, happier, effective, and ethical world as a result. Thanks so much. See you next week.